This is Melissa Milner. Welcome to the Teacher As Podcast. The goal of this weekly podcast is to help you explore your passions and learn from others in education and beyond to better your teaching. The Teacher As will highlight uncommon parallels to teaching, as well as share practical ideas for the classroom. In this episode, I interview Nicole Kang. Among her many accomplishments, she created a website for children to learn coding for a purpose. That purpose is to tell stories. Now that is cool. Enjoy my interview with Nicole Kang. Welcome, Nicole. Thanks for taking the time out to talk with me. Thanks for having me. So what would you like the teacher as listeners to know about you? So I thought about this and there is a lot of answers. I think that the one that parents and teachers are most interested in and impressed about is the fact that I went to MIT. I'm a first generation college student and now I'm kind of starting my own company. Um, my parents both teach Taekwondo, so I guess that's where I found my interest in teaching at a very young age. And what I really want people to like know about me as like a what, my, what I'm passionate about is just that I really love playing. And what I mean by that is just having fun playing video games, playing the flute, just fun in general. And that's what I try to bring into my work is how to integrate play into education. And so um, more about my professional, not so professional background. I taught in various settings, uh, basically STEM camps, calculus, English as a second language, Taekwondo, obviously. And I was also an educational researcher focusing on scientific inquiry, game-based learning, and literacy and all that. Um, Yeah, so I ended up quitting my higher education to develop my startup, Elementary, which is an online platform to read, write, code, and share interactive stories using professional illustrations and sounds. (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing. I had no idea all of all of the education background that you had. So can you tell us more about the work you're doing with the coding and the digital storytelling? Yeah, so um, elementary actually started out as part of my thesis. Um, and originally it was I was just looking for a way to create more interactive content because uh, a static slide isn't very fun for kids. Um, And then more recently, it shifted gears and really focused on engaging students to write and code their own stories. And really, the reasoning behind that was I started doing a lot of research on um, literacy and just literacy rates in the U.S. And some of the figures are really shocking um, because we have so many kids in the U.S., which you think since they go through public education, they should be able to have these skills, but they really don't. Um, And after talking to teachers, you have teachers who say their students have to have tests administered via audio because they can't actually read the questions and all these things. It's just when you when you know about this, you're like, what are these kids going to do when they when they finish high school and later in life? So really, the goal of elementary is to make writing fun, because if writing is fun, then they can improve their writing and also their reading skills. Um, so there's a lot of research that just basically shows uh, the link between writing and reading. And if you read more, you're going to write better. And if you write more, you're also going to read better. Um, so I'm really big on literacy as the big, big point. But my other background is in STEM, obviously. And I really am passionate about coding. And I kind of sneak coding into um, all the curricular subjects because I integrate code as a way to 
uh, just have students have more voice and choice in expressing themselves. So I always tell like English teachers who are interested in using elementary that it's not about the coding, it's about the storytelling, but the kids will want to do cool things to their story. They're going to want to maybe add a background music, maybe have different endings. Maybe they want to have a voiceover or animation. And in order to do these cool things, they're actually going to have to code. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, so it's it's not like saying, okay, kid, you're going to learn how to code, but it's um, introduced in a more uh, you know subtle way that can hopefully hopefully get more kids interested. So that's kind of like the goal of it and uh, try to integrate these two kind of different subjects together into one project. Um, Because we kind of think of coding as like, oh, math and robots. And like writing is like, oh, it's like the literary arts people. And these two groups of people, they don't mix with each other. (laughs) Right. It's so interesting because I had uh, Angela Stockman on and she does this. I don't know if you're familiar with her work, but she's all about make writing where the kids will build Mm -hmm. with Play-Doh before they ever write anything. And it helps them to be creative. And I wonder whether the coding would serve as that make writing piece in a way. Yeah, definitely. I can see that, Um, especially since like if you're doing make writing, you would see that as more of a maybe a younger, um, you know, younger student emerging writer sort of activity. And then um, they could do their artistic piece, whether it's drawing or Play-Doh. And then later on, they might want to turn whatever they've done into maybe just like a paper, um, pencil, paper, storyboard. And then they would go on to elementary to put it into a digital piece that they can actually publish and share. Right. Um, Because digital is really powerful because you can share it very easily with other people. And um, there's a lot of really cool things you could do with that. It's it's nice because Angela does like post-its for the story, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of to plan out. And, and I can totally see it. By the way, make writing is for all ages K to 12, really. But yeah, I know it sounds, but it's actually, it's, it helps reluctant writers, but it helps all writers get deeper Mm because they're not worried about print. They're not, basically, they're not limited by their print power. Mm -hmm. If they're making something out of Play-Doh or, you know, drawing something first to think through their story. So I'm really interested in this whole storytelling and make writing. And and then I saw your site. I'm like, OMG, this is amazing. <laughs> so I also want to say elementary is with an I. Yeah. So it's a elementary spelled like elementary school. And then instead of a Y, it's an I at the end. So it's like the Latin form. I love it. Did you have a big background with coding yourself? <laughs> Actually, no. Um, so I. I was always good at math and science kind of growing up, but I was never really interested in um, computer science or with robotics because that's usually what, uh, at least when I was growing up, computer science was mostly linked to robotics um, and robotic applications. And that was not something that um, interested me too much. Uh, I actually never, I took an introduction computer science course when I was at MIT. Um, But that was because at the beginning stages of when I entered MIT, I wanted to do computational biology. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That obviously changed (laughs) quite a bit after I took a course in, um, what is it, organic chemistry. I was like, no, this isn't for me. (laughs) So many people say that, Nicole. So many people that like that course is the deal breaker. So I was like, oh, no. And then I was like, if I wanted to, you know, work for the CDC, I would need to stay in academia for like 10 years before I can get a job. So I was like, mm, maybe not. Wow. <laughs> so I, I switched gears quite uh, quite quickly. And on top of that, while I was at MIT, um, 
So you can't actually get a degree in education at MIT. It doesn't exist. <laughs> so um, I actually graduated in uh, business management, but all my work was done in education. So I was part of the educational arcade and worked on um, like MITx, part of the MOOCs when they were coming out, the massive online courses and doing stuff with that. So that was kind of what I was doing. And then running STEM camps for elementary age school children every summer and winter in South Korea. So that's kind of what I did. Why is it important for children to learn coding and what are the benefits? When I say coding, I really mean computational thinking. And basically, this is just a fancy term that means problem solving and conveying the solution in a way that computers can understand. So really, computational thinking is about building solid analytical and logical skills. And this can be applied to any subject area. Um, The reason why computers is really good is because computers are kind of stupid. So (laughs) when you want to give directions to a computer, you have to be extremely explicit about what process you want. And you need to be able to break down your problem into different mini steps in order to kind of accomplish what you what you want. Um, So like, when you talk to a person, people are much smarter, they can kind of get what you want. um, But computers don't get that at all. So they'll return like an error message, or they'll say that they'll do something that is completely different from what you want to do. And this type of feedback is really, uh, I think, really important for kids, because first of all, they learn that they can fail, right? And they, they will fail frequently. And it becomes a normalized process of the learning. And just the simple fact of, you know, when you're um, trying to communicate with someone what your code is, it also builds other key skills like communication, teamwork, all these great things that are just necessary for pretty much life. And on top of that, if you want to be a programmer and if you do want to go into computer science, then obviously having a background in it will really help in that regard. Um, But I really believe that, you know, coding can, it's it's a bit like writing, like we, we teach kids how to write. Um, because it's fundamental for just their success kind of in life. It helps them organize their thoughts. It helps them communicate. And it's a similar way with coding um, in the same regard. We don't expect all kids to be kind of writers or novelists or, you know, people like that. And we don't really expect all kids who code to end up becoming, you know, programmers. But the, the skills that they learn when they're doing these projects are really, um, I think, key to, you know, just whatever they want to do later in their life or whatever they want to, you know, if they want to go on for higher education, it'll help with that. And it's just fun. For me, it's like, oh, coding. Yeah, I did that. I went on to one of those cute programs and I made the, the little angry bird move, move over to the, and, you know, I, I had just had to say, do the, go to the left, go to the right, you know, there's a few steps and then he moved. Woo-hoo! Mm-hmm. And like, it's so much deeper. What you just described is like design thinking and, um, you know, all those 21st century skills, that computational thinking, that's fascinating. I'm so glad that you are doing this work and that that I was able to talk to you about all this because now, now I'm like, okay, I have new things to research now. Yeah, I think we have a misconception of coding because um, when we introduce coding, it's kind of like a math problem, the way that we introduce it. It's like you have to solve the math problem. Uh, you have to make the bird go to the left, go to the top and exit the maze, for example. Right, right. Um, and that is a really great way to introduce because it doesn't take as much time. You can put it like very easily 
into your classroom day, be like, okay, hour of code. We're going to have one hour coding. Okay. After that, it's done, finished. We did coding. Um, but <laughs> unfortunately that's true. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, it's a good way to introduce, but if you really want to go deeper, it's so much more. And it, it's really about making things personalized, um, making a really like, I always go back to writing again, because writing, when you do like a grammar sentence, like figuring out what the subject verb, you know, the, the predicate of the sentence is, uh, that's, that's a writing exercise, but it's not like writing. Um, when we, when we think of writing nowadays, like when we think of writing, we think, oh, you're going to write a story or you're going to write an essay or you're going to write an opinion piece. Um, it's for a purpose. Um, generally when we write, it's for a purpose. And I think it's similar to code. When we code something, we kind of want to code for a purpose. Um, and the more we put into it, then the more kind of we will get out of it. What is your proudest moment in your work so far? My proudest moment, of course, like when I was a teacher is always what teachers are always proud of. It's their students. Whenever they see, see their students doing well in life, they feel really proud. Um, now as a developer slash website <laughs> person per se, what I'm really proud about are like the really small things. So for example, um, when I see a kid from who knows where write and code a story for more than three hours on a Sunday just because he wanted to or she wanted to for fun, that gets me really excited because I'm like, wow, this is this is doing something for someone that I don't even really know. Um, and then another instance was I saw, I read in the description. So when you publish a story, you have a title and you have a description that you can add. Um, and in the description of one of the stories, it said, thank you to uh, some person's, some other user for inspiring me to write my own story. And I was like, oh my God, that is so Aww. cute. <laughs> wow, that's so powerful. Yeah. And so um, when I was a normal face-to-face -face teacher, um, I could maybe, you know, I would have maximum 100 students. So I could really only affect those 100 students. Or even when I was, you know, um, holding webinars with other teachers, I can only really affect those teachers who can then affect those students. But my hope is really like through elementary as a platform and as a community, I can really positively impact and get more kids writing and coding all around the world. So hopefully we get more and more people on board and getting them excited about uh, writing and coding. So that's kind of my thing. That's so awesome. So speaking of you know, all these projects. What are you zooming in on right now with your work? Zooming in. So for the past, I think, two weeks-ish, I don't remember, I was streaming um, sessions with different teachers on creating lessons to use elementary to write and code in their classrooms. So for example, one of them would be like a fourth grade English teacher. Another one would be like, oh, how do I use it with my kindergartners? <laughs> or another one would be like an ESL teacher trying to teach, um, you know, high school students. Um, those are some examples. And Starting Monday, this Monday, aka, I don't know, August 24th, uh, I will be holding free weekly story coding clubs for kids. So um, basically, they'll be like weekly um, events. I'm holding two clubs right now. One of them is for grades 
three-ish to five. And the second one is uh, grades five and up. And so these are going to be project-based. And so far, we've had, you know, kids register from literally around the world. So I'm really excited because I miss teaching kids. So, so will, will you do live teaching as part of that or no? Yeah, so I will be live with them um, in the classroom, and then we will be recording um, my my lovely face and screen and stuff for people who can't uh, attend because they missed it out. It's going to be free, and basically at the end of my session, I'm just going to say, if you like this, then please consider subscribing and upgrading your subscription because it is free to create on elementary. That's so cool. So a really important question, what's your favorite movie and why? My favorite movie. So I had a tough time with this because I don't actually watch that many movies. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm more of a gamer slash uh, book person. So like total uh. nerd. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of my favorite movies in recent times is Silent Voice. It's a Japanese animated movie. Uh, I think the original name is Koe no Katachi. Um, and basically, it's it's a teen movie, um, and it's about a grade school student who is hearing impaired and gets bullied um, at school. And so she transfers to another school, and then you have like a, a time skip where her bully is basically trying to have, find his redemption story. So it, it was very touching, and I, I really enjoyed it, and it really made it... Um, it really delved into the topic of bullying in a less, you know, black and white sort of way, but more nuanced and uh, interesting sort of way. Because oftentimes when we think of bullying, it's like, oh, he's bullying her. And so therefore he, he's a bad guy and, you know, things like that. But it could be a lot more complicated. So this, kind of, this movie kind of goes into this like really complex topic of bullying on top of, you know, being a, being a kid that has, you know, a disability. So... <laughs> That sounds amazing. I'll have to I'll have to check that out. I wonder hopefully it's you know streaming on Netflix or something. I can find I'm pretty it. Pretty sure it is. So yeah. very cool. I love I love when someone shares a movie that I haven't heard of. I love it. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I just know anime movies, so that's pretty yeah. much it. <laughs> that's awesome. So how can people reach you to find out about more of, you know, more about your work? Um so I am on Twitter at Nico Rars. Um, N-I-K-O-R-A-W-R-S, like a dino. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, basically anywhere you message elementary goes directly to me because we are a tiny company. So I deal with everything related to communications, education, and everything related to that side of things. (laughs) So that would be E-L-E-M-E-N-T-A-R-I io yeah so there's a contact form there you can also request for a webinar there and at some point i'll also put the the club's information on there as well elementary is free um, for one class of up to 35 students you have some limited features but we do want everyone to be able to create stories i think that's amazing that you're offering that for free and obviously you can upgrade if you want to but to be able to just get in there with one class and do something and see if you like it first is pretty pretty amazing yeah yeah you can also um, just do it as an individual um, teachers have kind of used it to create uh, like escape rooms, for example, or have their kids go on and create stories themselves outside of the school. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of, yeah, it's a way to produce, a teacher to produce mm-hmm. content. Interesting. Wow. So thank you so much, Nicole, for taking the time out. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah. If you enjoyed this episode and have not done so already, please hit the subscribe button for the Teacher As podcast so you can get future episodes. I would love for you to leave a review and a rating as well if you have time. For my blog, transcripts of this episode, and links to any resources mentioned, visit my website at www.theteacheras.com. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Melissa B. Milner. And I hope you check out the Teacher As Facebook page for episode updates. I am sending a special thanks to Linda and Lester Fleischman, my mom and dad, for being so supportive. They are the voices you hear in the Zooming In soundbite. And my dad composed and performed the background music you are listening to right now. My intro music was Upbeat Party by Scott Holmes. So what are you Zooming In on? I would love to hear from you. My hope is that we all share what we are doing in the classroom in order to teach, remind, affirm, and inspire each other. Thanks for listening. And that's a wrap.